you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy Ice Cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. What up, everybody? Uh, this is Manny Digital. I'm here in Bayonne, New Jersey at Marist High School, home of the Royal Knights. And I'm sitting with a gentleman who, who played and coached with legendary New Jersey. Hall, he's a Hall of Famer, actually. Yeah, Basketball Hall of Famer. Uh, Coach Bob Hurley here in Jersey City. St. Well, not here, <laughs> but at uh, the recently closed uh, St. Anthony's historic school if you don't know then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast um he's this gentleman has been coaching 25 years now in new jersey this year be 25 this is 25th anniversary of him coaching uh, he also was a player you played at st anthony's under coach under coach, coach hurley st anthony's and you you uh did some amazing things there we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that um he also served as a new jersey state corrections officer for 27 years 27 years and and not too long ago retired Retired about four years ago. Okay, that's pretty long now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You look like it's, it's treating you well. Sometimes retirement doesn't go it's, well for it's folks. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. yeah. Um, and now he's like I mentioned earlier, he's the head coach here at Marist High School uh, in Bayonne, New Jersey. I'm blessed to be kicking it with Coach Ben Gamble. Ben, thank you, thank thank you for ha- thank you for having us here, uh, and thank you for accepting the, the challenge. Nah, not really. Of uh, of being on dribbling dives. I have one question for you. We had a guest previously. His name was J.R. Gamble. I don't know if you're familiar with the name. I just figured let me bring it up because you have the same last name. But this gentleman, he writes for um, the Shadow League, and he lives out. He's out of Queens. Okay. Any relation? No relation. Any family in Queens that you I might got family in Brooklyn? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's close enough. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's a relationship there. It could there. be. <laughs> All right, so, Coach, um, you mentioned we, we had a kind of a little bit of back and forth via email. Um, you kind of giving me a, a, a sense of your trajectory career-wise. I find it interesting um, that you obviously played at St. Anthony's, and I kind of want to get into how that transpired because earlier you mentioned baseball was your first love. Yes. Um, but then, you know, how you were able to maintain – convert from a player to a coach a and b maintain this i'm gonna call it legendary track of coaching because to to do anything for so long a period of time and in your case you've done it twice right as far as your career track and then your i'll call it community service because educating these young folks and kind of being the mentor in the coaching coaching capacity takes a toll and and is really a mentorship um how were you able to commit to doing coaching and also manage i'm sure you have a family your career track how how hard or how 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 determined were you actually to be able to live both lives um well you know basketball i'm passionate about basketball you know and i love sports in in general yeah so that's always been an escape for me and it just so happened even with my career with the department of uh corrections uh i worked uh in the mornings from 6 a.m to 2 to 2 p.m. And I've always been reluctant 
to take supervisory tests as far as being a sergeant, lieutenant, or higher ranking. Or higher ranking, because I loved what I what I did after work. And I always said, if I wouldn't be able to do that, I would have been a very miserable lieutenant. Mm. You know, so that wouldn't have been good for the people who I had to try to, to command. With. So right. this is this is an escape for me. I've been fortunate to or blessed to be able to do both. Uh, I can concentrate on one right now. Uh, all my kids are grown. I've uh, been married for uh, close to 30 years. And God my bless. oldest daughter, uh, mid-30s. Uh, my, my middle daughter's birthday was yesterday. She just turned 32. Oh, and, I got a, and then I got another girl who's 22. So I got a family full of girls. Wow. Uh, the man upstairs didn't give me the boy. <laughs> But he kind of knew I would have been like Denzel and he got game. And I wouldn't have had the 40 out there, but yeah. it would have been the same thing. Yeah. And I would have been out there and and pushing and pushing and pushing. And hopefully I don't end up in uh, – my career wouldn't have went the other way. Right. I would have been, got locked up. But I would have been the same way. So you, you had three – you mentioned three girls. Yeah. Um, did Because they were girls, did you ease off the gas a little bit when it came to basketball? Or were you also pretty – persistent about they, them. They never really had an interest in it. Okay. You so know, you didn't force it on them? No, I didn't force it on See, them. See, I'm, now, a, ba- sometimes I'm a bad I'd dad. sit back and say, maybe I should have. But, you know, they all three of them are happy. And I got a granddaughter now that uh. in which I'm doing an event uh, called the Aaliyah um, uh, uh, Outscores Diabetes because okay. she's just turned six. Okay. But at five last year, we found out that she's got diagnosed uh. with type 1 diabetes. So we're fighting that cause now. So I'm doing a major showcase mm. next year. But so I got a, a, a house full of girls or a family full Damn, of girls. Yeah. Granddaughter, all, all daughters. Three, yeah, all, all daughters. And, um, you know, the man upstairs gave me the ability to coach the boys. And those those are like my sons. Right. So that, I, that's, that's what the I was, lesson I got. That's what I, I was going to go with. It. He, I guess yeah. he felt you had plenty of those already. So you needed to. Yeah, he knew not to side. put one in my household. But he said that's okay to have them for two hours a day. So I, I've got two daughters. I got a, my eldest. She's going to be 13. And then I have a three-year-old daughter, and I have a son in the middle. Um, I loosely, I've said in my household, you guys are going to play basketball. That's the first thing you're going to do. And hopefully you fall in love. If you don't, I'm not going to persecute you. At least I'm going to try not to. (laughs) But it's hard. And you played at a much higher level than I ever did. I mean, I was on the block playing. You played high school at a prestigious high school I'm assuming we're going to get into kind of what college looked like for you, but um, it's it, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, I guess we we self inflict a lot of pressure on ourselves to try to. All right, we went one route and it didn't necessarily work out the way we might have imagined it playing basketball. So then we kind of put that pressure on our kids sometimes, right? right. And we want them to exceed beyond maybe what we thought we could have. Right. And so I, I I've been able to tame those. Uh, expectations and really just try to use basketball in particular for my children as a as a life lesson right there's so much that you can draw from basketball that doesn't have anything to do with the actual game once you reach a certain level because the camaraderie the the leadership ability the uh knowing how to play your specific role in the dynamic of the team and and just it transcends in it it you can translate it to different things, right? I know a lot of people, like I, I've had a long career in the corporate world. I see it every day, right? I see how basketball in particular can translate into the boardroom or what have you right. because you're leading teams at the end of the day, yes. right? So I always, I frame it that way to my children. I'm like, look, go for it. If you don't love it, that's fine. You can do something else, but I need you all to try to love it right. <laughs> for dad. 
<laughs> so I wonder, like in your case, especially with three girls, how, were you ever trying to introduce basketball to them, or you kind of uh, just let them do no, their own thing? No, I just let I just let them be them. And wow. um, my oldest daughter, I remember taking her to a little league baseball practice. Yeah, and she did well. I right? surprisingly, like she can throw and she can run, and she did that for a while. But then she didn't want to play with all the boys, so she backed off. And then when she got to high school, she played softball, and you seen her improve. And uh, I seen yeah, she did she she did well. So I was proud of her. Mm. My middle daughter is uh, very studious, Miss Prissy. You know, nice. everything got to be in order. Uh, you know, she she has a college degree. Um, you know, she does. She's doing very well. And my youngest daughter, uh, who's 22, uh, you know, she's just a spoiled brat. But, you know, we um, make sure that she's handling her business, it, handling her business and stuff. But she's very determined. But they, they wasn't sport sport inclined. OK. Now, what was what's weird about my wife family is a big sports family. Matter of fact, her. Uh, she has a cousin that uh, played at Tennessee with Reggie White. Oh. And she had an uncle um, who passed uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, uh, Alton LeVan. He was among the candidates of the first black coach to be hired in NFL. So when Art, Art uh, Shell name was being thrown around and um, Tony Dungy, mm-hmm. his name was among that. Wow. So he did nine years as a running back coach with um, – the Dallas Cowboys with Tom Landry, and then he went to Bill Walsh, got a ring, and then Seifert came in, and I used to love talking to yeah, him because of I used to try to pick his brain on every, on, on everything. So while I'm trying to pick his brain, he's asking me about Coach Early, you know. Makes so, sense. but you know, I'm asking. We we all asking about Hall of Famers, you yeah. know, and, and at the end and, of the and day, relative sports, you know, I'm asking about Tom Landry and and Walsh's. Uh, how do they compare between the two and He's saying he's, he wants to know how does coach communicate with the kids and get through to them and maintain that at, at, at such a high level. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one thing of being around coach, he's still a workaholic, even though he's already reached every, every possible yeah. reach. And so me being around him, I kind of I kind of taking upon the, that in, in my philosophy is trying to get as much as I can to improve each and every day. I want to take you back real quick because you mentioned something that I thought was interesting. Um, you you kind of cross coaching, if you will, in those relationships, in that relationship you just mentioned with uh, your, your wife's uncle. Yeah, yeah, right. Out um, Are you are while you're having these conversations? Obviously, you're interested in the the notoriety of the names that he's associated with, the teams, the the professional elite class NFL experience, right? Yes. Um, are you also picking his brain on coaching principles or different techniques that you think you can translate to your coaching Absolutely. practice? Absolutely. Okay. And vice versa, I'm assuming. And vice ver- yeah, and vice versa, and everything's the same. So, you know, he'll ask me, um, you know, uh, he'll give a scenario pretty much about a kid. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, how would you handle that with that kid? So I would give him my, what my suggestion would be. And then he'll say, interesting, he said, I probably would do this, this, and this. Got it. You know, so, you know, those are the things that, you know, to try to improve yourself. So it's like when you're talking to them, it's like you're going to a clinic, man, but you, you're picking that invaluable uh, experience. Because, uh, you know, I, I can remember when I'm talking to them, I got declined for a job, which I was kind of really down, mm-hmm. kind of surprised that I, I didn't get the job. Was it a basketball-related it was a, it was a ba- Yeah, okay. it was basketball-related here in New Jersey. 
um, you know, the Rose, Roosevelt Catholic job. Okay. You know, and it came between me and the guy who they picked. And um, they picked him. Of course, I thought they should have picked me. Sure. Um, I called him. I'm on the phone with him for approximately two hours. Wow. And Heated. You, like, tight. Well, you know, just, just right, you know, just expressing how I felt. Yeah, a little vent know? session. Right. And, and he started to talk about how he um, became an assistant coach with the Cowboys. Mm. And he said, you know, people want people that they're a little bit more familiar with. Yeah. They were more familiar with him than they were with you because of the relationship that he had with uh, the athletic director. Um, he talked about his relationship that he had with uh, Gene Stallings and Tony and um, Mike Dicker that helped him get to yep. Dallas. So he said that's pretty much how the things went and stuff, you know. Then all of a sudden, the, 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 I guess he got tired of talking to me and he <laughs> said to me, he said, "Just put your big boy pants on." <laughs> You know, and, and go and, go for the next day, right? And that, that kind of like woke me up, and next thing you know, I'm back in the gym with Coach Charlie. But it, it turned out to be a blessing because in 2008 we won the national championship, yeah. And that's when we had Mike Rosario, Trayvon Woodall, uh, that had about eight Division One guys, and then uh, 2011 uh, with Kyle Anderson, we won the national championship again. So my resume looked a lot different, yeah. Walking in, and you know, and it's kind of hard to deny me when I'm walking in with two national championships because. And with an 83 game winning streak, because uh, a lot of coaches don't have that. And Plus a few undefeated, and a few yeah. undefeated seasons. Yeah, we I, I I had four undefeated seasons, and we had one winning streak that had reached 83 games. That's wow. two and a half years. So y'all yeah, were on your UConn thing. I mean, I know I know I know Danny's the out there yeah. now, but yeah, with the, with the girls, back yeah, in that's, the day, that's, yeah, that's 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 you know. And when you sit back and you look at it, so wow, you know. So um, it's not a lot of people walking around like that. So yeah. you know. With, with my experience of sitting next to a Hall of Fame coach and uh, when he got inducted, I'm right there and the dream team was like three rows before me. Wow. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's That's just... That's basketball a, heaven right yes, there. Yes, I'm like saying, oh my gosh, look at Michael Jordan right there. Look at Larry Bird. You know, there was an instance where Jerry Buss got, he got inducted with Coach Early's class mm -hmm. and Jerry Buss is there and Jerry Buss um, has Magic and Kareem there on stage and I'm, I'm just saying, look at this. Wow. You know, so... Those are all the blessings I had being around, around coach and stuff. You, you know? um, the the negative you just raised, not getting the job at Roselle Catholic, um, is is what I preach as a positive to most people with respect to the network. Right? Um, people make a lot of a big deal about money and you know degrees and all these things that society, I guess, depicts as success. Right. But we oftentimes don't regard the relationship as the highest thing to try to achieve. And I don't mean it like a, using a person, right? right. Uh, I mean more like networking and really building a rapport with people based on common interests. Because yes. I think that's the only way it really works, right? Because if you're into, like, I like uh, football, not a huge fan of football, right. right? You might be a fanatic for football. Right. That's not where we're going to build our bond. Right. You know what I mean? Now, basketball, okay, we could talk for, forever and ever about basketball. But uh, it's funny because this is so timely. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm in the gym with my daughter, and I'm, you know we're doing drills or whatnot. And I meet a gentleman um, in the gym, and we're just talking about podcasting, actually. I was like, yo, you know, I'm doing this podcast, yada, yada. And my, my daughter's observing me have these conversations and engaging with these people about, about something I'm passionate about. Right. Basketball, A, B podcasting right and then 
she's like, I wander off and she's in the gym by herself. So like 10 minutes go by, she comes to where I'm at and she's like, dad, what's up? I'm like, oh snap, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I cut that conversation off. I go back to training her. But then uh, afterward, I, I was like, you know what? This is a good lesson for her to understand what networking is and how valuable it is, right? Because right. back to what didn't get you that job, it was the networking, right? Yes. It was that familiarity and that relationship, regardless of the talent, right? right? Sometimes it weighs more. And sometimes people are more forgiving. Like, you know, he may not be as successful out of the, out of the gate as Ben would be, but I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit because I know the character of this person better than I might Ben, right? And so I explained that to my daughter and I think it hit because... I always look at the relationship well beyond the monetary aspiration or any of that stuff. So in the same vein, you've established a long-standing uh, relationship with Coach Hurley, but also all the athletes that came up in the ranks. Yes. Who, what relationship do you covet the most out of all of those that you've been a part of? As far as with... Uh, the, from the back. Besides Coach? Yeah. Yeah, I assumed he was number one, but yeah, besides him. Um, relationship with the with the... Past players, kids that you coached. Yeah. You know, I can remember there's a a coach now, his name is Dwayne Lee. He's uh he was part of the two thousand one class. Okay. Terrific kid. Tough situation. Um his father I knew well. His father was a fireman passed. Oh. His about maybe about two years later his mother passed. Wow. He had a a a, a, a younger brother who's going to be like in a wheelchair for life. Oh, he had a, you man. know, he had the toughest situation that you can imagine. And his grandparents was taking care of him. And he's very close to my nephew. And they came up together. They came up together. Okay. So, you know, so he's in his mid thirties and I coached him. And we're in, we're in the, um, I had death in my family and he's there and he's, and he's having a conversation with me and he referred to me as Ben. And I said to myself, did he just call me Ben? Yeah. You know, what happened to coach? Right. right? You know, and he's then in the conversation he calls me Ben again, right? <laughs> you thought it was a slip up at I first. I thought it was a slip, but yeah, so oh, he's kind of feel like he uh, he's an adult he's, now. He's my peer now. He's my he's my equal now. So I said, Dwayne, I said, come on, I said, let's go for a walk, and and, and I talk, and we go right in the middle of the block, of Jersey City, on you know, New Street, and we're right in the middle of the block, and um, I said to him, I said, Do you call Coach Hurley, Bob. And he goes, no. I said, do you call Coach Martelli? Because he played at St. Joe's University. I said, do you call Coach Martelli Phil? And he says, no. I said, I'll put as much time in you as those two. <laughs> I deserve what that makes kind of you respect. think, I'm going to let you call me Ben. Right. And I said, do you think, and so there's another kid. Tell me, tell me, hold on, hold on. This is at the wake? This is, this is. At the funeral home? No, this is um, maybe a day before the service. Okay, okay, you okay. Know, I thought this was in the mix there. of that. No. You were like, come outside for a yeah, second. you know. <laughs> And, um, and so I said to him, I said, do you think Donald, which is his teammate, Donald's assistant coach at Wagner now, and Donald Copeland played at Seton Hall. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, do you think Donald will be calling your, your father by his first name? I said, I call coach, coach all my life. I said, it don't change. And I named other prominent guys that I'm an adult now. And I, what's his name? I said, I put a lot of time in with you. Mm -hmm. So I said, now, what are you doing with yourself? He said, nothing. I said, do you want to coach? And he goes, yeah. I said, I'll give you the freshman job at St. Anthony's. You got to be down there at 4 o'clock uh, on Monday. And he said, I'll be there. I said, all right, don't, don't BS me now. Yeah. You got to be there. Yeah. He comes. He takes that freshman group. I think they go 27, 27 and First 0. coaching job. First coaching job. He takes the freshman group, goes 27 and 0. 
He's working with our um, varsity. He's not missing a, a practice or anything like that. Season ended. I went to him. I said, Dwayne, I said, these kids you just coach. I said, imagine they come back. Um, I said, you want them calling you Dwayne? He said, coach, I know exactly. I what get it now. I get it now. And now he took off. He's coaching college. And at some, at some point, he's going to be a, um, a, a college head coach. That's so, dope. So the relationship I got with him Donald Copeland, uh, even with Kyle Anderson, Lucky Jones, um, it's invaluable with the kids that you coach, you know. And I was tough on them. This is like Coach Early. But then I can pat them on the back and say, come on, you know, come on, you knucklehead. What are you doing? You, you, know? you Co- Coach, Her- Was Coach Hurley an influence in your correctional career? Yeah. Because he's a probation officer, yeah, correct? Yeah, a probation officer. Right. So I, had, I always had a strong appeal for law enforcement because not only would I had Coach Hurley, I had um, – people in my family brothers okay. that were in law enforcement right. so I had then I had a cousin in Philadelphia that was a cop so I always been around that mm. and what influenced me with with basketball and uh, I can remember going to see a high school game out here in Bayonne uh, Bayonne High School uh, I think they were playing Ferris they had two kids on their team that I like I really liked they were older than me but I liked the way they played they, yeah. they were strong they was athletic one name was Thurman Lee Green Another name was Lester Harris, and I go to the game, and we're about to play one of them, and Coach is on the other side, and he's taking a bunch of notes. And I walk over there at halftime. I say, hey, Coach. And he said, hey, Ben. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you know, I'm t- scouting. scouting. And I'm looking. How, I'm he, sorry. How old were you? Like you were, I had to be about 14. Because oh, you were like a freshman at I was a freshman during that time. Okay. No, but I hung around the varsity. Didn't play varsity, but I hung around the varsity a lot. And I'm watching him. Then he asked me a question, what I thought. And then I told him what I thought. And then he kept writing things down. And I got hooked on watching that. That's pretty that, – it's know? so subtle, but it's so powerful at the same time. So now he'll get the scouting report, and he's very animated when he gives the scouting report. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I felt so much more prepared, right? And I just loved his scouting reports. And now I – you know, so now – I, I, I want to get into coaching. Uh, even when I was young, I stopped playing as much and organizing more. Mm. So I would have guys that's my age, and we would play, We was playing in a, um, a men's league up in Bayonne, and yeah. I was the coach, and guys was listening to me. And you had guys like Shelton Gibbs, who at that time was uh, St. Peter's University's all-time leading scorer. And he'll come to me and say, Ben, what do you think? And I'll tell him what I think. Mm. And you had guys listening to me, and we were all organized team. This was you senior year? No, this is when I became a young man. Okay. So I'm in my early 20s. Okay. And so I'm not coaching high school at this time. I'm not coaching high school at this time. And it's just this kept involved. Uh, involving. And then when I finally got the opportunity, it went it went too fast for me. So ah. I, my first job I got was here in Jersey City. I was an assistant coach at County Prep. I went there. There was a beginning program. No, we struggled. And then from county prep, I got a college job um, as an assistant at Keene University. Hmm. And then the following year, I got hired as a head coach at Hudson Catholic. And I didn't do well those three years. And I needed more schooling. Okay. I could say it now. I could say it when I was yeah. older. Back but then, back you then, thought you was a man. Yeah. yeah, I thought, man, listen, I'm always <laughs> one. You know. Put me in there. I got put this. Put me in there. I got this. And there was a lot of things I needed to be able to do. And then when that happened, and I'm, I'm always keeping in contact with coach. He said, if you step down to Hudson, come down here with me. And 
I went. Was that down. the first time he offered you an opportunity to coach with him? No, he offered me an uh, opportunity when I was at Keene. Okay. He wanted me to coach his JV. Yeah. And what's ironic, it was between me and Chris Chavannis, who's the coach at the Patrick School now. Mm-hmm. So we was all kind of like in that mix. Okay. Chris Chavannis, um, Phil Calicchio, and Nick Marinaro. We was always like in, disciples of Hurley. No, almost? it was just like, oh, okay. like everybody was kind of in that mix of who can be the next Got guy. Got it. Got it. You know, so he offered me that, but I didn't want to leave college. And then, yeah, you, I mean, that's a that's a high place to be. Right. Yeah. yeah I didn't want to leave college. So he said to me, so um, um, when I did leave Hudson, he said, come on me down here with me. And then when I got there for the first year, and he had coaches that's been with him for like 12 years, George Kander, he moved them all down. He said, I want Ben sitting right next to me. And he just was in my ear. On everything. Did you know that you guys had that kind of relationship until before that moment occurred? Because um, that's a, that's a big deal. When I was in high school, I didn't understand him. You didn't want to be around him, especially mm-hmm. when you're 15, 16, um, because he was. He's a hard ass, he's right? A, yes, he's, okay. he was tough. You know, so like, oh god, we got practice four to six. You know, let me try to get through this. But then midway through my junior year, I understood him, and now. I would go through a wall for him. Mm-hmm. Even right now, if mm-hmm. something go wrong, mm-hmm. I'll go through a wall. People will say things to me now about coach. I said, where do you get that nonsense from? Yeah. You know, so um, he knew I was a soldier wow. for him, you know. And a lot of other people, Jerry Walker, Rosa, they'll, they'll go through a wall for, for him. Um, so uh, it's unique how that turned out, mm. you know. It's unique how that turned out. But he will always say to me, he said, Ben, you have to see things through my eyes. So <laughs> easy as to it say, You're right? You know, but as but as years went on, I already know what he's thinking, and that's why I was so unique, mm-hmm. you know. And I can give a strong suggestion to him, and he would take it, yeah. like he would take it in part and stuff. On all right, you know, maybe you're right. Let's go. Let's 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 go and do that. And a lot of people were intimidated to do that with him. But of course, I, was, I can I was totally understand. Yeah, I was very I comfortable. I don't know if I'd be comfortable sitting across from him the way I am right now with well, you. Well, listen, you know, I always tell people, I say, you know, you got to have an answer before you ask you the question. Mm. You have to have an answer. So. I feel like that's a good piece of advice just in general. Like, yeah. that kind of preparedness gets you far. You know, yeah. So that's why I'm like, like I got I got some young coaches now. I'm all over them. You know, I'm saying. Are you kidding me? What are you doing? And this and that. But if if you really love this game and you want to be the best that you can be and you don't think that you've reached your peak or you can't tell anybody. Yeah. Coaches coaches in the Hall of Fame, he'll go to a basketball clinic and still take notes. His pitcher's hanging up in um, Springfield. And you got guys that's 30-something years old think they know every damn thing. I heard. So I had a gentleman on my show, um, old timer. He played in the Rucker League back when Holcomb Rucker was around. Um, And he, his name is Ernie Morris. Ernie Morris mentioned, uh, and also a gentleman by the name of Rich Kosick. You might know the name. He he was uh, with, I mean, a whole bunch of camps back in the day. But they both mentioned something I thought was really interesting about Coach Hurley, but coaches like uh, Coach Hurley, which is simply what you just described, right? He'll be at. The, what might be considered like a rinky-dink clinic. Mm-hmm. And when you ask him why he's there, he'll tell you straight up, there's something here that I can learn. Yes. And that's remarkable, especially, I mean, you sat next to the, gen- the man for so many years. 
he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, you know, and yeah. he's still out there trying to learn and apparently still teach, yes. right? Because every conversation has got to be an education with that man. Yes, yes. What, um, what would you consider your most trivial or, or difficult moment as a coach? We can't this count Roselle true. Catholic as that experience. We already talked about that. I yeah, that, that was, that was, Roselle Catholic was, low point. was interesting. Yeah. Um, um, s- certain family situations mm. with kids that it affects you. You know, you think about it, you know. Like the heartache that they have to go the through in those situations. They have to go through in situations, you know. Um, there was a kid named Donald Johnson who was a workaholic. He was a, Definitely a Jersey City kid. That kind of sticks out on my mind. Uh, his father, um, you know, Donald was playing with a girl up in one of the projects up in Jersey City. It escalated. The father came, uh, shot someone in the, in the process, and went back and barricaded himself and ended up committing suicide with the police outside. And that kid was that kid was a good ball player, a good kid. But so he had to he had to relocate to get his life back together. Wow. And, um, you know, that kind of sticks in your, sticks in your mind. Mm. Um, certain events like that, you know. Some kids, you know, they, they came up hard. Uh, when they get through the adversity, that's great. Some kids, they can't figure a way out no matter what you tell them, how, no, no matter how much you help them. Mm. Um, you know, I can remember another thing a coach said to me. He said, you know, you can't save everybody, you know. so It's a harsh reality. Early on in my career, it's tough to say uh, you can't save everybody. But as you got older, you kind of able. Not that you you you're not happy about happy it. about it, right. but you you understand it a lot more. Yeah. So those are some of the things. That, like you know, you say, "Well, I got to see things. You got to see things through my eyes." In time, I was able to see things through his eyes. You know? We started off earlier talking about your baseball aspirations. Um, that I assume was like the first memory of you involved in sports and being really passionate about it. Can you take us through kind of how that transition occurred into basketball? Well, you know, you grew up in Jersey City. You got to be able to, to, you know, you learn different sports. You got to be pretty much athletic, you know. So I was always around a bunch of guys. I was around a bunch of older guys that um, – I like, you know, I like playing. I thought it was just natural for me. You yeah. know, I can, I can play football. I can play baseball. I can play basketball. You know, I can run. You know, I can defend myself and all other stuff. You know, and um, but baseball kind of stuck with me, probably more so because my father was a big baseball fan and okay. loved baseball. And I can remember watching games with him on TV. And and it might be somebody, you know, third baseman might go in the hole and make an incredible play. And you say, did you see that? And I can remember taking the ball, throwing it off the garage and trying to emulate Scoop it at it a young up. age, yeah. you know, trying to mimic it, you know. I'm at the age where, or from the era that, you know, you stay up for tape delay and you watch Dr. J do something stupid that you get out the next morning and you try to do it and you break your neck, Yeah, you know. So you just emulate, emulate. emulate everything that you, uh, that you saw. So I was pretty good in baseball. Um, I was pretty athletic in basketball. Um... Probably needed to be around the right people. Moved to a different couple of locations in Jersey City, and where I, I, I end up playing for a, a grammar school OLM, which is a Our um, for basketball. Our Lady and of Our Lady of Mercy. Mercy. And that happened because I went to another school. A guy named Pat McCarthy um, watched me play. Asked me did I play for somebody? I said no. 
And he said, come on down. And I'm me and my cousin or a friend of mine, Rodney Fields, we're the only blacks on the team. And it's pretty much yeah. a little se- more segregated than diverse during that time. And I did well. And my team really wasn't that good compared to other teams. I led us to the, to the championship. And this was CYO? The CYO. Yeah. And I led us to the championship. We didn't, we, we didn't win it, but just that little feat there led us to the championship. So in baseball, I had a lot of different coaches, but not a great coach. Okay. In basketball, even after Coach Hurley, my first year in college, I went to a school out in Ohio, Walsh College or Walsh okay. University. Bob Huggins was my coach. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, so, and he's 27 <laughs> years old. And he was a lot like coach. And so I can remember the, the, the older guys saying, oh, my God, he's this and that. I was used to that, that because, nothing, I, already, that was nothing because I already had coach. So you, you know, fit right in. So I, you know, I did a year. I broke my arm, like, right before the season. How, I, wait, I'm, take I'm, us through that. How does that happen? Uh, I had some ups then. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had some I had some ups then, and I lost my balance in the room. That came down and dislocated. Oh, yeah. on the fall, on the fall. Oh, you know, I, I know. I, you know, they should have had social media back then. I would have been a sensation because yo, uh, I, a lot of people would. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, yeah. had some, I had some ridiculous ups then. And um, how tall uh, are you? Um, six. In my, I, I, I'm, I'm five ten, but in my mind, really? I'm six two. <laughs> I tell everybody I'm six two. <laughs> Perfect. Even though I worked in the prison, I can look at an inmate, he could be 6'3", and I said, man, I said, I'm 6'2", right 240 pounds. Would you go, what? He said, man, you ain't no damn 6'2", and I said, that's I am. He you looking know? down at you, you ain't no 6'2". But, you know, in my mind, so, in my mind, I'm 6'2". So you broke your arm. Was that the end of your collegiate basketball career? No, I, I, I came back, my grades fell, I was 17. Um, you know, there was no reclass back then, so I went to school at 17, you know, college wow. at 17, yeah. and... Uh, I came back and went to a junior college, Union County College. Uh, I, I, I got my associates there quickly, you know, a year and a half. And then I got, uh, uh, then I played at the Pace University. Okay. Is that where you o- finished out your, your collegiate? Finished, yeah. And you graduated? Um, I was 30 credits short <gasps> because I had my oldest daughter. Ah, you know? okay. And now I still smack myself that I should have went back, especially all the years in correction. But... It worked out, it though. It worked out for me. It worked out. Yeah. That pension is no joke. That pension corrections. is nice. So, yeah, that pension is nice. That's awesome, man. So, you you, know, you, you went away for school. You came back. Um, when did you start your correction corrections career? Immediately after you, you had no, your, your daughter? Um, I got hired in corrections in uh, January of 1990. Okay. So I, took, I, so, I took the corrections test. I took Jersey City Police test. I took North PD test. Mm-hmm. And all around the same time I passed, but corrections called me first. So I was working UPS, okay. driving the brown truck. Also not a bad job. Right. I, I got lucky in that, too. Yeah. You know, I never was a loader, unloader. Oh, you I just went straight in, to driving? Yes. I went Yo! To his, you know, that's, that's, and, like a, that's a high level and, and, right there. And when the people in the union found out, oh, it was like this was? little guy, hey, hey, how did you get this job? You know? Because I was 6'2". Yeah, I was 6'2". And I did that for about five months, six months, and then corrections called. So I went to corrections, and then when corrections called, Newark PD called. Okay. And my brother was working for Newark PD. We had different last names. So his whole goal, his whole thing was, man, me and you could be riding around in a police car together and this and that. They ain't going to know right, right. that we, that we no brothers. There's no name right? relationship. 
I'm saying in my mind, I don't want to ride around with that nut because he a nut. <laughs> he was nutty, right? And um, and actually, I was already in corrections for about a year, and I kind of lied to him. I said, yeah, I'll put the paperwork in for Newark. I'm, I'm going through the process. Uh-huh. He goes to personnel, find out I was lying, so he was upset at me during that time, you know? Yeah, so he was upset. So did you simply choose corrections because it was the first call, or were you genuinely more interested in that than the other options? I wasn't, I wasn't big on changing a lot. Okay. You know, once I already got in, I was like, you know. Police Obviously. Of, police and firemen is the same pension, you know, so I was able to recognize that quickly at a young age okay. and stuff. And I didn't want to keep going through the academy and this and that. I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, the, yeah. Only, the only one that I regret not taking was the Port Authority. Like, Port Authority Police, their, their, their benefits was... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would have... I, I would have... I, I didn't know that. Did that, yeah. So so you are a, a an immediate, real, tangible example of somebody who's been able to utilize basketball on many fronts to kind of both be within it to make an impact, but also use it to go beyond the game, right? Um, yeah. I know you took a lot from both as a player and as a coach into your daily life as a corrections officer, right? right. Can you talk about, because, you know, for, for the athlete, the typical basketball player in particular, their goal obviously is NBA, right? right. Um, and especially nowadays with all the media surround, easy access to media about that, it's really, I think now it's probably more difficult than ever for a player that may not ascend to those heights to transition into something else, right? Right. What do you say to that player, especially those that you've probably coached, right? What do you say to that person that might have even had the real possibility of going that far, for some reason or another didn't make it? How do you counsel them, especially given your personal experience? Um, there's some kids that I think kind of like, I'm sorry. You're fine. I think kind of, uh, I thought they missed their calling. Okay. So... Give you an example. I had a kid named in the 2014 at St. Anthony's kid named Marcus Williams. Super athlete. I think in the three years, I think he won three state championships in wow. the four years. He started as a freshman. It's rare to have a lot of uh, kids start as a freshman, but he had a lot of street in him, you know. And but he's the only kid that I I've ever coached, and probably uh, Coach Early will say the same thing. You go over a scouting report, you tell what the other team do. He can tell you what all five guys do. And he can, he, he that first time he see it, wow. he can tell you what the five, what the four, what everybody do, everything. What their weaknesses are. What their weaknesses are, you know. He's, he was, he was just natural for him. I always thought he should have gotten the coach. I was just about to say, you know, I hope he is somewhere. But, the, but, you know, I think he, you know, he got mixed up in the streets. I know he had a little couple of legal battles and stuff yeah. like that. But I would tell him, Marcus, you should be coaching. You know, I mean, it's never too late because that, that really is never that kind too late. of skill set is yeah. really rare. He was he was he was unique in in, in, in that way. Um, wow! If you love if 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 that's your passion, you should go after it no matter Absolutely. no matter what. You e- know, even if failure is the outcome, it doesn't matter. You're going to, listen. In order to be successful, you're going to hit a, a, a bump or two and and, and and get stepped back. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a step back. You know, I think one of the things that I can push to young kids, I told you, when I was at Hudson Catholic, I, I did three years there that wasn't good. I could have said, oh, you know what, that's enough for me. 
you know, Easily. and walked away yeah. and stuff, you know. But I still had a lot of fight in me. And I think Coach knew my personality, you know, and this is why he said, listen, come on down here with me, you know. Um, when I didn't get the Roosevelt Catholic job that year or even that same year interview with Elizabeth, um, I didn't get either job. I could have said, you know what? I'm going to go do something. I'm going to just stick with my corrections thing. Right. I, I still have fight in me. So now it was like, I'll show you. So now when I got a, uh, another opportunity, and then I get my, when I step away after the 2014 season, I go to McCarrick, there was nothing there. Nothing there. But I'm looking at that gym, and all of a sudden, you know, like uh, you see the TV shows, and you see people Things just cheering popping up, and yeah. all other stuff. That's what i seen. You know, and that's you had the I premonition seen. already. I had the premonition already that that we can be good and this thing can work. And then um, kids that wouldn't have played at other programs or played JV at other programs just started transferring in, and uh, uh, people were kind of shocked on what transpired. And we we start off 19 and 0, and and did, again, this was a, a program that wasn't doing squat. They wasn't basically. doing anything. They only they won about six games in two years. Wow. I was the third coach in, th in three years. They had a, a coach there prior to that was there for 20-something years, Coach Lewis, who was a terrific coach. We actually played them in the state championship at one point mm. and stuff, but uh, it was it was doormat. It was bad, and I went in there, and then next thing you know, people in the community were at the game. You know, I can go to the store in South Amboy. Hey, Coach Gamble. You was you a know, local celebrity. I got caught on, the, on my cell phone driving, and cop pulled me over and I said my name he said you the new coach at uh at McCarrick and I said yeah and was and that got me you know so it, it stop it, with the nonsense right. I'm gonna let you slide right yeah, now yeah I said listen I, I said I didn't see you but I'm sorry right. you know but wow. just that little it was it was perfect and the school closed and you know we start off 19 and 0 we beat uh, a ranked team uh CBA in their place the same night that Roosevelt Catholic and St. Anthony's playing for one and two wow. at Roosevelt Catholic. Um, we beat Maris, who was good at that time yeah. at, our, at our place. Beat America, beat us a lot of good teams. And I'm 19 and 0, and people saying, wow, you know, he can coach. But I could have gave it up. Yeah, as soon you as know, the school closed, right? It's when, when, with, with, I could have gave it up when I failed at Hudson Catholic. Oh, oh, prior, right. I could have gave, right. you know, gave it up when I didn't do didn't get the Roosevelt Catholic job, but I kept fighting and kept believing. Mm -hmm. And I go there, and we finish the year 21 and 5, school closes, and then all of a sudden, I get five phone calls, right? Um, I get a after call. that season? After that season, maybe uh, a week after it closed, I got a call. Bishop R. called, and they wanted a lot of, of course, the players and the students to come. Uh, Coach Early wanted me to come back to St. Anthony's. I had contact with uh, Plainfield. Um, uh, Mata Day called, and I never heard of Mata Day at yep. the time. I never, only Mata Day I heard was in California. Mm -hmm. And then the most surprising call I got, which you know, I was just shocked, and this is when the parents and everybody were there and they answered the phone. It was from the Patrick School. Got uh, Dave Lipton, who was the, um, the, trustee and administrator at the school and he said hello he said hello Ben this is Dave Lipton he said I'm at the Patrick school I want to talk to you about your future I said who and he said Dave Lipton uh, what's his name he said I've known you for a long time I've seen you for a long time I was at St. Anthony's when Tony Tate was there um, so I know a lot about you 
um, I'd like to sit down and talk to you about your future. I said, oh, okay. Because it was a big rivalry. Yeah, totally. See, you know, it's like, you know, it's like one family calling another and that, and that, and I'm like, <laughs> you sure you got the right number? <laughs> right? With the, how we hate each other? Yeah. Right? And, um, and then I sat and I talked to him, you know, we had breakfast, you know, me, Dave, and another gentleman named Keith we had breakfast three times. And I said, how come, why me? And he said, well, you know, Chris wanted to step back a little bit and this and that. And I'm still not sure. And, and then at that time, Mighty Day is calling and a couple other schools are calling. And um, then we finally meet with Chris. I asked him a couple of questions. Was a satisfactory answers for me. Uh, then we meet again. And then Mighty Day continued to call, continually call. They took me out to dinner and all other stuff. And uh, then Coach Early called me. And he said to me, how's things going? He said, I know that Mighty Day is supposed to be calling you. And it's not. And I said, well, not only Mighty Day called, uh, <laughs> I got a call from uh, the Patrick School. I said, I've had several meetings with him. He got quiet. <laughs> he said, you better not. Patrick, well, I know that to you. Yeah, yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. He said, Patrick School called you? And I said, yeah. And I said, do you know Dave Lipton? He says, yeah. He was with Tony Tate and so-and-so. I said, they had several meetings. And the ironic thing, they kept throwing out that we played St. Anthony's at Jersey Armory that year. That was a, big, a huge game. Mm. And uh, at that time, I'm, re I'm really thinking about it, but I wasn't sh sure what my role would be. They said he was going to give me control. I couldn't see Chris giving me control. Right. And that was, I thought it was maybe two different philosophies. I had a St. Anthony's philosophy. They had a Patrick School philosophies. Our philosophy is not totally the same. Yeah. I don't know how well we would work together. And... My thought at this time is that, you know, listen, I, I done did 15 years under a Hall of Fame coach. I'm not sitting, you know. I need to spread my wings a little right. bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, you know. And um, Mata Day took me out, and there was a, a guy named John and Randy, and one of the things they said to me, he said, listen, if you go back to St. Anthony's, there's always Coach Early. If you go to the Patrick School, even though Boyle's not there, people still look at that. That's the Boyle, you know. True. Kevin. Okay. And he said, "Yeah, that's a good salesmanship over there." That's exactly what he said to me. And he said, "You come to my today, it's all it's yours. You. It's your legacy, right?" And school had no legacy, no no big big sure. legacy, and that stuck with me. And I wasn't the guy that was afraid to roll my sleeves up and and what's names. So I, so I go there. The kids follow me from the Carrick. Then all of a sudden, some other it was three kids from here that didn't like what was going on. They they, they transferred over to Modern Day, mm. and then there was another kid down there who was a sophomore, going to be a junior, who uh, they sent to. Uh, he transferred over to to Modern Day, and when all of a sudden we had a good team, but the people down there didn't think we were going to be that good. Yeah, and Brian Antoine. And Scotty Lewis, they you know they're in rainy, so now all of a sudden it's different juice down the shore, and we we beat them. Uh, we go that year, we're 26 and two. Wow. We, we in the championship against CBA, we're down 18 with about 120 left to go in the third quarter. I looked up the clock and said, "Oh man, we down 18." I called timeout. I just stepped on the floor, circle everybody around. wasn't wasn't cursing or anything like that. And I said, "Listen." We score. We pick them up right here. We're gonna got, we got to get them to play a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, at the end of the quarter, within that minute, we're down 11. Right. Within a minute and change. Within a minute and change. Wow. So going into the so going into the fourth, fourth. 
I knew that he didn't use his, his bench a lot. I used my bench, and we kept weighing oh, on him, fresh weighing legs. on him, fresh legs. And now, all of a sudden, it got to seven. They called timeout. I looked at their coach. You can see in his eyes, he knew he was in trouble. I'm, like, getting more juice, and I'm putting in more fresh bodies and putting in more fresh bodies. And then, all of a sudden, a kid who was a football player named Marvin Pierre, who's a big, strong kid, I throw him in there against their best player, Pat Andre, and I said, don't let him get the ball. And then Pat gets the ball, but Pat is dead tired. Marvin rips it away from him. He goes to lengthen the floor. Pat Andre tries to catch him. He fouls him. And it's a three-point play. And it's about 8,000 there. That was like the biggest crowd at Monmouth University wow. in history. Wow. And about 8,000 there, he hits the layup and hits the free throw. Puts us up one. And they're so tired, they're just throwing the ball away. We end up winning by seven. And now that's the first championship ever at modern day. Wow. And... I was so emotional. I don't apologize for it. I'm crying like a baby yeah. because those kids believed in me. And I'm thinking about a lot of other things. Yeah. That throughout your journey. Through this journey and stuff, you know, and they believed in everything I said and they bought into everything I said. And um, uh, we had a lot of the kids back the following year. We come back and win it again. So now we go back to back. Now you got the engine running. Right, you know, and we ranked in both years, we ranked in the top 10 in the state. They never had that. And then the, the, the last year, um, uh, and at that time with Rainey, with Scotty and them, we're 4-1 against them. We're beating them. Wow, you know, handily. And, yeah, you know, so they couldn't beat us. And um, so now going into that last year, I was at Mata Day, which I didn't look at it to be the last year. There was a lot of change going on in the school. Mm -hmm. I was going into my third athletic director. The athletic director who was responsible for getting me there was gone. Okay. The school president, the uh, Randy McDonald, who pretty much kept that school afloat and instrumental in bring, uh, bringing the school. Because remember, that school was was going to close and then it stayed open. Okay. And he was instrumental in bringing me. Um, there was a lot of change going on with him. There was a lot of change going on with the school principal and presidents. Then they brought in a football guy, Dino DeGenero, who was from Staten Island, who was at Poly Prep. And he came in with with foundation that came in with money, a Jay Jordan, who was the biggest benefactor for Notre Dame University. Uh, okay. So if you look it up, you'll see how much money this guy <coughs> got. I don't want to yeah. say how much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got that through football. But in basketball, I'm not getting anything. Got it. You know? So I can see change coming. But I was demanding on what I wanted yeah. and what I needed to stay at a, at a, at a high level. Uh, then we had a couple of kids uh, transferred in. We had a good year, but it wasn't as good as I anticipated. We lost the championship to Rainey. And then uh, uh, I actually got a call, uh, met a guy who was in Virginia who was looking to start a prep school that said he was looking to hire and I was interested in relocating and okay. going. You know, um, my kids are grown. You I'm got retired. all the flexibility I now. got flexibility. Yeah. And the salary that he said, uh, it was not, worth not too shabby. <laughs> and that's and, and that's the direction I was going in. Then this school called me and they already had a coach, but the athletic director called me and said, listen, I'd like to have a talk with you. Things didn't work out in Virginia. I saw things changing at my day. I wasn't happy with a lot of things, and mm -hmm. I ended up here. And uh, 
Uh, they were 10 and 16 the year before and struggling and uh, took over the program and changed a lot of things and was very demanding. And we get to the championship last year and uh, we lose. And But I got a lot of kids back. Returning and I guys. Got, yeah. You know, so I, I actually think with the group I got now, next year will be the year I can win the states. Mm. How are you guys looking this year? What what's uh what's your obviously championship is your goal all the time? I think I'm, I'm being I, okay. I think I can win the county. Okay. Um, you know, it could be between us and Hudson. It's a lot of good teams. That's Hudson, uh, St. Peter's Prep, um, uh, the public school Snyder's good, Union City's good, Lincoln's good, but I think. From top to bottom with that, I have a lot. You got a stack I don't team. have that one star kid. Like, Hudson got Cruz. St. Peter's got Armstrong. I never really had guys like that. Yeah. And that's what makes it. Like, I'll say, some coaches won't coach what I got. They want the already made Understood. Kid, you know? Yep. They don't want to. Oh, you got to teach, teach, teach. You developing your ass off right. over here. Yeah. They, you know, they already got their already already new kids. Listen, there's this team. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Out of uh, <clears throat> New York City, they play in Madison Square Garden. Small team, the Knicks. They could use a player development person. <laughs> so I might make a few phone calls. Bullshit. I don't know nobody. <laughs> but right, but this is the kind of thing though that is is critical. Like if you are able, it's. I don't want to. I've never coached, so I can't. I don't want to put myself in these shoes and and speak out of school, but. I gather it's easier for you to step into a situation where you've got one or two standouts, right? It should be easier for you to play around that and do well. It's also, it's, it's I think, even more compelling and more interesting when you don't have that, right? And you create this culture and this camaraderie among the crew that you have that elevates everybody to a degree that they didn't even think they were capable of. You have to coach them up. Right, yeah. How do you, what's your like main principle in how you go about that? Because I know every class, every individual is different, but it sounds like from your journey so far, you've been able to institute a, a certain level of accountability and culture that helps you get to the high level well, regardless. I've, I've been around a lot of big time high school events. Sure. So I've experienced it. I can give a vivid story and the kids can see that story. Okay. So one of one of my favorite stories is when we played St. Pat's, biggest game in New Jersey history, playing for the national championship at Rutgers University. They got mm -hmm. Michael Gilchrist. Both teams undefeated, one and two. They're scalping tickets outside for seventy five dollars. <laughs> if I had known that, I would have bought a big roll of those five dollar tickets. And I would have had somebody scalping the tickets working, along, working outside. You know? So I would, you know, but I didn't know they was going for seventy five. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're down five, second quarter, against the Patrick School. Uh, the kid Gordon, who played at uh, Seton Hall, he's shooting free throw. Gilchrist is right in front of our bench. And he's bent over, and his hand on his knees, mouth is open. He's breathing really, really heavy, heavy. right? And I'm right next to coach, and I said, "Coach, look at Gilchrist. He's, he's tired already. I see he's tired." And we down five, and he's and he got up, he put his hand behind his head, he walked down the bench. He said, "Look at Gilchrist. We're wearing on him. Keep working. Keep working. They're getting tired." And what I'll say after a sprint. Or after a hard uh, um, practice, and then naturally the kids, what they'll do, they'll bend over, mm -hmm. and 
and touch their knees. Yeah. And I'll say, look at Gilchrist. And they'll get up. You know, because their body language is showing yeah. the time. So, like, if you watch a, watch us play, I don't have my guys. A lot of teams, they'll have their guys, and they'll let them put their hand on their knees, you know, and ready to box out. I don't let my guys put their hand on their knees, you know. No showing of no sign of weakness. Name, Nothing. You know, um, kid get hit in the eye, you know, don't go nuts. Uh, we had a first game against Snyder. A kid got, uh, the kid from Snyder threw the ball, saved the ball. He threw it and hit my guy in the head. Mm. And my guy's like rubbing his hands. Don't rub your head. You know. Just eat it. Just eat yeah. it. Don't worry don't about it. Don't show them that. Right. You know, because th those little things about it. Big especially time. New York City. Big you know, time. You, know, you can They'll pick up on that. that real fast. You know. And I, listen, I worked in, in prison for 27 years. I am you know not showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> in here. You know, no so, signs of weakness. That's right. that's interesting. You know, your body language and what's you know. So, the kids that I have, I can give them stories. You know, I can talk about Dwan Wagner. I can talk about when I saw. Actually, I was at the game because we played two games behind them when LeBron James and Camelo played. Oh, so I can tell them all these big time things, and they can see it, and they know I've been there. It's relatable, it's right? Relatable. Uh, yeah, and it's honest, you know, right? You know, and so it's just like the streets. You know, these guys. It was who they were in the street, and they say something to a young guy in the street. They believe it. Depends it. on how much you've been in that war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're going to believe you, you know? So they know I've been in a lot of wars there, and um, um, that's what help, uh, it helps me in effect to coach them up there. That's beautiful. All right, so I know things are about to get started over here, so I just want to wrap up with one last question. What would you consider your biggest regret to date? In athletics? Yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> so we don't make it too too broad. I don't have a lot. That's good. Yeah. I, and I'm I, sure you're not the type of person that wallows in regrets, but no. we all kind of have one or two that I, we wish you could get things, back. Things, listen, I mean, you know, the only thing that you wonder, it's not a regret, like, if I stuck more with baseball. Because ah. they told me that I had major league potential. Okay. Because I can run and I can hit. I didn't think I was a strong thrower. Mm. But I didn't have coaches like I had in basketball. So you remember I had Coach Hurley. Yeah. I go to um I go to uh Coach Huggins for Ohio, a year, yeah. Ohio, and he's young. And then um uh and I always been around coach, you know, he got in coach and been around coach. I didn't have a lot of guys like that in baseball. Mm. If 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 I stuck with baseball, I would who would've know what what would have come to happen? You? Yeah, I don't know what would have happened. I'll tell you what wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have impacted all the lives that you had if you were pursuing your baseball dreams. More than like, not at least not here in New Jersey, because it's highly unlikely you would have stuck around here pursuing baseball. Well, I'm going to tell you a funny story before I go uh, with Coach Huggins. I hadn't talked to him in a while, a long time, for years. I hadn't talked to him because, you know, I remember I left maybe back in 82, and, you know, he's he went from Walsh to Akron to. Cincinnati, Cincinnati to West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. And I think it's 2009, uh, we got an event at Seton Hall. And I'm standing on the baseline at Walsh Gym. We stand on the baseline warming up, and we had a kid named Dominic Cheek. And Dominic was heavily recruited, McDonald's All-American. And I uh, got my back to him, and I heard um, somebody say, hey, Ben, right? And I'm standing next to him. And you're getting hot. You're like, I, I hope it's not one of my former players calling me Ben. Yeah. And I turned around, and it was Coach Huggins. <laughs> right? I said, hey, Coach, how you doing? And we talked for a while and laughing and giggling. And 
my assistant, the way, one of the assistants said, wow, he said, he, he remember you? I said, he damn right he remember me. I had some damn game, that's why. <laughs> I said, if I sucked, <laughs> if I sucked, he wouldn't remember yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been called up. That's crazy. You know, so so um, your team, Maris High School this year, um, you said, you, you know, you have aspirations to win county. What about the individuals on your team? Who's somebody we should be looking out for or multiple players on your team that, that we need to keep an eye on? Well, I got, well, I got one solid senior, uh, Emmanuel Toa, um, transferred over to me this year from um, Crystal Ray from Newark. He just scored his 1,000 points. Wow. Uh, he's about 6'2", combo guard, uh, excellent grades. Um, you know, he has about five Division two offers right now. Uh, some Division ones are kind of peeking around him right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know his aspiration is maybe try to get a mid-major. You know, maybe we can put him in a position where he can, he can get that. But I think he'll he's he's a valuable part of the team. Uh, Keith Menzies really improved. He's a junior guard. He had a game last week where he had 16 points, uh, 10 assists, six steals. Wow! Against Thurgood Marshall. Against wow. Thurgood Marshall. From from home, uh, uh, the next guy within maybe about two weeks is going to score a thousand. Is going to be Michael Jackson. Um, Mike's a terrific three point shooter. Uh, in three years, he has like over one hundred and sixty, um, You know, is that like lead, leading the school yeah, in history? You know, so um, and then I got a lot of young guys that's uh, good. Donovan Long was a sophomore. Well, I just had played JV last year, and this is not the era, especially with some parents, where they can, they want their kid to play JV. Yeah. Because his father's a high school coach. Okay. But I left him on JV, and he developed nicely, had a good summer, and he's starting for me now. Um, you know, and then I got a, uh, you know, a couple of kids that transferred from St. Ray's that's, uh, you can see them improving every day. Um, uh, I got a, a, another kid named Tariq. Uh, DaCosta, who went to uh, Cardinal Hayes, who actually didn't play for Cardinal Hayes, but he went there, got thrown off the team or whatever. And if he was a discipline problem there, he's not a discipline problem for me, you know. Well, and, you also a CEO yeah, by trade. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that, you know, so, you know, I'm... I'm uh, you can figure uh, it out. I can figure it out, yeah. you know. You know, and um, uh, I, I got a lot of good pieces that if I can just keep them together and they, and they don't have the little egos... Or their parents saying you should, or their friends saying yeah, you should. That's tough to coach you know, against. You gotta, you gotta kind of fight against all those little things. To, yeah, you know, to, for us to have success. Well, coach, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing, and I hope to be around, catch a few more of your games, man. See so, what's up. Well, listen, I uh, this is great. I very relaxing for me. You know, Good. I got a whole day of basketball. I got to sit around and, until we don't play till six thirty. But should be some good games today. This is a great. You know, I wish you all success. And uh, I'm going to have to start listening to this a lot. More. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. We, okay. We'd love to have you as a, as a listener. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, brother. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now check us out on social media as well we're live on twitter instagram and youtube on all platforms you can find us at d-r-i-double-b-l-e-n-d-i-m-e-s